I am Tarantulas, agent of the Predacon secret police. You will be an interesting subject. <laughs> Maximus, the podcast that sits in your head, whispers sweet little thoughts in your to your dreams, and encourages you to kill all those people. I'm Stuart Webb, and helping me here today are my own bunch of anarchists who can't be detected by any means. <laughs> to my left, it's a woman who, every time I talk about Bond films on Twitter and mention M, thinks I'm talking about her. Slightly egotistically, maybe. It's our very own Deng Judy Dench. Marion. I'm the original M. I don't care what you say. And to my right, a man who in M terms is definitely the Robert Brown version. Tom. I turn into a puffin. Good. <laughs> Obviously, I'm Bernard Lee, the best one. That goes without saying. And here we are again. Uh, we have a very excited podcast because we are talking about the conclusion of Sins of Wreckers, the final two issues, parts four and five. Are we all uh, up for this, people? Yay! Oh, yeah. <laughs> We'd obviously had that big, long, four-month wait. Were, were we excited for this? Were we chomping at the bits to finally read issue four? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was exciting. And I think, like, now all is said and done. On this side of the release date, yeah, I mean, the wait is all gone. I I think it was it was definitely worth it to keep Nick on rather than... Uh, compromise the artistic integrity of it and yeah I think the proof's in the pudding really um the only thing that I think it, it, it suffers from is as we've already talked about knowing that you know Cup and RC are going to walk out of this just fine uh, yeah I'm really really happy to have it back and it is back with a bang isn't it mm. it's quite a return the opening of course uh dodge is straight into something perhaps unexpected uh yeah, we've sort of left everybody tied up and connected to Impetus, which uh, extracts guilt. And uh, one of the first things that we see is Roadbuster's guilt. We did a talk about it, something we were expecting last time. I don't know if either of you two thought we might touch on this in the series. Uh, the Roadbuster affair, which we had thought and we'd already uh, seen explained, of course, in Wolverine BTI recently. Yeah. And it wasn't what we thought it was. So what do we think happened there? Do we think there's like two versions of the Roadbuster affair? There's like the tamer version and the real version? A man can have uh, many affairs. <laughs> uh, I should be still lucky. <laughs> but uh, I think it was obviously, because there was some debate uh, back and forth on Twitter uh, over whether it was an intentional uh, piece of misdirection in ratio of the eye, whether it was a straightforward cock-up and they both tried to explain it. Uh, I think the wiki page is still reads me slightly miffed about the more than the CI one entry having to be slightly rewritten to take into account of this. But uh, I think myself, it was very deliberate misdirection because I've read, uh, after issue four came out, the trade with that issue of more than the CI was released as well. So I've just reread it very recently. Uh, in the context of this issue, that scene in that issue of Morgan BTI, uh, which is issue number, uh, which one is it, Marion? <laughs> you know this sort of stuff off the top of your head. I don't remember the number, but it is uh, a scavenger issue. Scavenger's part two, I'll call it. Uh, that scene reads almost completely differently in this context. 
knowing that it uh, isn't what's got Roadbuster done in. Uh, I think the choice of words in fiction was a coincidence when Crocs uh, describing what happened when he describes it as an affair. Obviously, intentional uh, linking up the garden path from James in him using those words. Well, it's not how it reads to me anyway. And uh, you take what Croc says less of face value as well, because uh, it makes you wonder exactly what Radar was doing that he could have his spine get ripped off hmm. and it not be a, a big deal. I mean, I suppose we see a lot of violence from Wreckers, especially in these two issues, but it's probably equal to having his spine ripped out. But I don't think we'll be getting anybody into any trouble. So maybe it's not a big thing for the Wreckers anyway, but uh, it feels like there's a lot more to that Croc story than we know. And I'll be interested to see run in to one of the characters who was there at some point in the future to hear their take on it. Um, I don't know. That all sounds like over-analysis to me. Uh, I think it really could just be James came up with an idea, Nick came up with a better idea, and, uh, and you know, things are just uh, vague enough uh, in the one case where one takes precedent over the other. I, mean, I, th- I think, well, I know Nick was working on this in the February of last year. So, so that feels like there's a long leading time on this. Uh, I think James would have known Nick was going to be doing something with Robuster and this when he wrote that issue for sure. I mean, it really is just one throw, like almost throwaway line in More Than Meets the Eye. But anyway, yeah, yeah I mean, we've both got exactly the same amount of evidence and we're both drawing different conclusions. Yeah, I, 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 my take is that I don't think there's any any grand arc here than just a bit of fun. On no, I'm saying a little bit of uh, talk. It wasn't, it's not anything bigger necessarily than that, but it's, I think it was intentional. Uh, Barry? Okay. I think I'm leaning more towards there just being different versions of the Roadbuster affair out there and that what we're getting since is what's been kept really hush-hush. It's not something that, you know, low-level Decepticons would necessarily have access to. Yeah, maybe he's heard that there is such a thing as the Roadbuster affair and he thinks that it was because of his friend being so brutally killed. Oh, yes, that's, that's a good... I, mean, I do think whatever Iron Fist thought the Roadbuster affair was, it's absolutely nothing like either of these two versions. Uh, maybe we put a cover story out about what Roadbuster had to briefly go into rehab for. But maybe well, it yeah, a, it, but... affair is so euphemistic, isn't it? Mm. What I like is the reveal here of what's going on involves a concept uh, in Mortulus that didn't even exist when Last Stand of Rickers was written. I quite like sort of... Yeah, I, 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 I get you. It's like if uh, if Tarn turns out to be Sentinel Prime because of the, there's a toy coming out, you know, obviously Tarn's identity... When Tarn was first created, there was no real chance of Sentinel Prime coming back. That kind of, like, weird, time-slipping, retro... It's not quite a wreck. But it's, it's it's making things up as you go along, I think, is what it is. <laughs> no, it's, uh, interesting how this was very carefully set up in earlier issues. Because uh, way back in issue one, when in fact is talking to Roadbuster, he does worry that Roadbuster might be hearing voices when mm. he's asking him. Uh, when he talks to <laughs> Roadbuster, you're not hearing him talk back, are you? When he, when he asks that about Springer. And then he compares um, Impactor's relationship to Guzzle with the relationship he has with his cadets as well. 
Yeah. Uh, there's a fantastic uh, just deadpan yes well for me patented yeah. <laughs> to comparison. <laughs> Mm. Makes you wonder what Roadbuster actually thinks happened at that point. Like you just so think that could be a good comparison to make when he's trying to reassure him back to. Well, it's quite canny because you know people do feel guilty about things, but then act as if they're not. And I guess that's one of the leitmotifs of this whole thing. Robuster knows what he did, mm. and he knows that it's wrong. He knows that he feels bad about it, but you know it's been swept under the rug, and nobody's really talking about it. And Impactor is is very keen to not rise to any mention of it. So it can be whatever he says, but the guilt's still there. And we already know about psychiatry among Transformers. Well, lack of, anyway. Another successful rug here, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, th- this whole scene is quite horrific, really. Oh, yeah, yeah undoubtedly. Had... You're stuffing people in a tree trunk. Yeah. And it's implied uh, that this is only one of the things he done as well, but there's a lot more connects. Because mm. uh, I think the previous issue, there was something about killing people in their sleep. And, uh, That's right, yeah. This was like them catching him rather than his entire murder spree. Mm. And it sounds like Tarantulas has been acquiring quite a lot of bodies of him all the time. I, I really like that this is in here and it, it really took me by surprise because um, Robuster has been such a passive or just non-existent character mm. and I think this issue and this scene really does what this series is about. I mean, aside from the kind of the WikiLeaks aspect, it's the, the theme of it seems to be a lot like one of my favourite things ever, which is the Threepenny Opera where you have like a Jack the Ripper character who is a serial rapist and murderer all framed as being less dangerous than anybody with power, anybody with, with real power who can, who can cover things up and can twist a public narrative around to their ends for whatever, they, whatever reason they, they want. And that even as unsavory, as unsympathetic as, as McKeith or Rhodes, he still is afraid and he still is confused and he still is noble though the, the the line earlier on where he talks about that you know me looking after somebody and and reading them stories while they're in a coma can be the same person as somebody who transforms someone to death and stuffs them in a hole like they're not mutually exclusive like you, you the he's not a villain even in a lifetime of roadbusters crimes he still hasn't done the same kind of damage that prowl has done and of course the topper is as we find out that a lot of the damage he's done is because he is himself the pawn of the forces of people in power like tarantulas hmm. and uh, none of this explains why if you suddenly started hearing voices you just believe there were mortalists right i mean a sane person wouldn't just assume that so there's obviously something that's not quite right yeah, yeah. i think tarantulas picked him I think he must have been on the verge of a nervous breakdown anyway. That's a high stress. So what's interesting, actually, is that uh, presumably, uh, it's mentioned as it was done as a favour to impact her, uh, presumably Springer was implicit in Robuster getting let off so lightly here, mm. which feels like a shift in his position to what he'd have later when Impacta did something, but arguably wasn't as bad as this where he suddenly becomes very moral in having him seen uh, dealt with properly, which 
Polly's days, Parkley's Roadbuster was so pissed off, actually. Uh, not Roadbuster, sorry. Impactor was so angry last stand if he knows that he, Roadbuster had done something so much worse and only got a couple of months for it. I suppose Springer didn't let Roadbuster back on the team after this. We don't. We have no idea when this happened, but I'm guessing it's after Stormbringer. Though uh, Ratchet and Farmer were working together, though. Yeah, that was a nice cameo. So would, is there any point oh, yeah. in the present day where they could have done that? Uh... No, because well, they were working together just before Infiltration. Hmm. So it's got to be at least that long ago, then. So it's... Was Roadbuster in the present day bits of uh, Sawbringer or just the flashbacks? I can't remember. No. I think he was just on the cover, actually. What's interesting here is what he's done with Hubcap when he's revealed to have been one of the survivors that they didn't even really notice or know about. That's like a dark mirror of Iron Fist as a little sort of nerdy one they don't really pay any attention to. I'm interested about the earlier issues. Uh, in issue one, Roadbuster, out of impact of Roadbuster, seemed to have a better idea who Hubcap was. Because he's the one to go, oh yeah, he's a tech guy who can do all the signals. Marty Pactor doesn't seem to have any idea who this guy is or what he's doing on their space station. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is kind of like, he's making an effort, but clearly not uh, not the sort of effort you really should. Uh, so an ironic uh, line is uh, when he's uh, talking about Hubcap having a job, but seems so unimportant, he goes, I think he actually wanted it. I mean, who gave him that job? Jeez, like, oh, hey, Hubcap, why do you want to go work with the man who killed your friends and nearly you. Um, yeah. I, I guess he's, I guess his unnoticeability goes pretty deep. So it's just a human resources fail there. <laughs> Trap just going around whispering in everybody's ear. Seems <laughs> he's had enough time. You know that guy over there, you should give him that job. It's... <laughs> I'm really evil. But yeah, I, mean, that, I love that entire scene. It was uh, looked beautiful. It was uh, disturbing. And uh, of all their scenes and what they're, they're terrified of, that's the one we get a good look at. And I, it's so powerful. I think it's a very good representation of what they're all going through as well. You don't need to cut to any of their other inner torments, uh, most of which we will probably know about anyway. I think uh, most of the references are stories which we've seen. But it just... It doesn't just work as a good seat for robust, so it carries away to the experience they're all going through very well. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, this kind of reveal of Hubcap being a baddie, this, this sort of Snowden character, it is, it is just, he's just kind of the face of the red shirt, isn't he? He's, he's a, you know, a lot like, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a very nice maturation of the theme of Last Stand of the Wreckers. It's like, these are the nobodies. These are the people who don't really get to be heroes, but are, you know, in their way, still people. Um, that, yeah, if you do... And, and the way Tarantulas is fascinated by that, Prowl just ignores them, these people who, who are battle stats, while Tarantulas feels that they are a necessary part of of the specimen of society of the war that of course if you arbitrarily destroy enough lives you will get these repercussions yeah i think uh for me hubcap is probably the weakest part of these last two issues oh really Not in terms of, i think the idea is great and i think the payoff will come to in a minute is very well done but i think the lack of space 
this is an area where that shows again in that he has to very quickly explain why he's betrayed everybody and then change his mind and betray the person he has agreed to help betray his mates with. In a, there's not enough, really enough time for that to breathe. He actually only winds up an antagonist about two pages. He feels like he's persuaded back around a bit too easily. Yeah, okay. No, I, 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 I can agree with that. It would be it would be better to have done all this in the last issue somehow, I suppose. I don't know. I feel like, like for the weight he does, like he, he's a very dense little character. He packs in a lot of meaning. And the rest to me, yeah, is plot mechanics. And you're right. It could, it could use more, more breath, more breathing room. And, uh, well, I should say I felt the same about Sake Out in the last podcast. So rereading the entire series uh, for this, I thought Sake Out worked much better in retrospect when, uh, Kicked for me a bit more, so maybe I, maybe I'll change my yeah, mind about okay. hubcap as well. It's, uh... Well, yeah, I suppose stake out like he has a very definite use in the plot, and then when his use is over, he is dead, and that is kind of the same thing for hubcap. Mm, I actually thought Verity's turn was a bit more abrupt than hubcap's, and hers happens between last stand and since. So in theory, it should have had a lot more room to breathe. In the, you know, in real time, if you will. Um, but I do find her change of attitude from, you know, we need to get this information out there and we need to do X, Y, Z, is a bit too abrupt, even with her dying and everything, to I, I have all this information and all I'm going to use it for is just to get your attention so you can help me. And you could, you could argue that this whole book is about character limitations and people making stupid decisions maybe or not thinking straight but I did still think it was a bit too much to sort of take at face value if you will Uh, You're absolutely right, I hadn't really considered Verity's arc but yeah why is she not interested anymore? (laughs) I guess she's she's kind of back in the place she would have been at the end of Last Stand of the Records, you know um, you know, she's got a transformer friend and she's sort of on her own. Yeah, why does she why why does she forget about justice here? Hmm. Yeah, I had a thought of that either. That is a good point. And it's similar to something I'll be saying about another character when we get to the end of the book, who I think uh, their, their story arc got a bit a bit lost. Uh, with Verity, I think it's a shame, but we well obviously we all pretty much worked out she was dying, but I think it's perhaps a side shame that we only get back confirmed after she's already been cured of what's killing her. That's apparently made minor uh, niggle there. Oh, it, it seemed to me, I, I thought it was really, in the, 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 the reveal of why it is that she is dying, I thought really clicked. Because Verity is, is the least to feel guilty about, but she is the one who is literally dying of guilt. Prowl has the most to feel guilty about, and he is just kind of dealing with the, with the repercussions of it. And that's totally true. That is exactly how people act. That is brilliant. That's very profound, Thomas. <laughs> Genuinely, if I had a thought of that, that's fantastic. I think characters' motivations are very interesting here. So, like, it's very easy to judge them by, I suppose, like, you've got um, Hubcup is doing all of this. Why? Because he wants a bigger body. Ultimately, like, Really? That's your motivation for the whole thing? 
Verity is doing it because she doesn't want to die, but she doesn't want to ask for help, so she's just gonna forget all about justice and what have you, uh, just to prove a point. Um, then you've got Prowl, who appears to have nothing, <laughs> no morality whatsoever, he just carries on, <laughs> completely unfazed. Uh, Springer comes across as a really sympathetic character, um, I think, on the whole. And then you've got uh, Impactor, who has a very unique sense of morality mm. and what he will and won't do. And he has been the most intriguing one to observe here for me. I, I, I think you may be missing uh, one clue. Is that it's, a, it's a word that comes up a lot. It's about dignity. Hmm. Hubcap, before he talks about the body and stuff that uh, Tarantulas has promised him, he talks about how he just wants some idea of the world going in, in, in the direction he wants. Also, um, uh, I get because, you know, we got this uh, WikiLeaks angle on it. I kind of took the hubcap wanting a different body as being slightly analogous to Chelsea Manning. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think that's a good take, Tom. I think dignity is a good word. Um, to put this in focus. And of course, Cup Cup does then later say, you know, this is just, can we just stop this, the cycle? So he's obviously not just doing it for himself, but that's after he has his moment of epiphany. You know, up to now, his um, motivation has been dodgy at best. Hub mm. uh, Cup cycle certainly does get stopped later on. Just... Let's focus on the bit where Prowl gets punched in the face. Okay. Because this happens a lot and it's pretty enjoyable every single time. Oh, this this is about this is this is is this Osterus? This is when Tarantulas hits Prowl in the face. And then he gets punched again in the next issue. But let's hang on to that nice moment. <laughs> uh, he just gets punched by everybody. Prowl. Uh, he gets punched by Optimus in Combiner Wars. He gets punched by Magnus in Dark Cybertron. Yeah, but maybe I'm this is too, right? Oh yeah. You're right, it was Chromedome, not Magnus. It's Chromedome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe this deals with our confusion over why did he get his eye fixed? It's just people are constantly punching <laughs> it out. Because he's had it fixed Why bother? Since Combined Wars. It's hard again. <laughs> My beautiful face. <laughs> I get the feeling never... he hams it up as well. He always goes down. He never... He never, mm, uh... he never resists or fights back or anything, yeah. Yeah, I get the feeling he knows that people want to punch him. So just <laughs> let him have it, man. Like, it's just pain. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that's why he went into a behind-the-scenes role. He's just useless in a fight. It's, it's, it's not to think back in infiltration, he was more sort of front-line soldier leading troops uh, in that sort of early installment weirdness. Because you can't imagine this prowl leading a team out to go get Ratchet after he's disobeyed an order because Ratchet would just punch him in the the ground. <laughs> He did bring, he did make Ironhide and Sunstreaker pull their guns on him, though. <laughs> back then, he did. He, 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 fe- he feared punches back then. So what? So what does what? What is it? Like, what is it that uh, Tarantulas wants? Do you think he wants Prowl back still? Doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, he wants the recognition of his genius and his talents, um, and that is tied in with his his desire for Prowl. Sort of as I insinuated in the opening, I this week was uh, watching the Daniel Craig Bond films in order because it's 10 years since Casino Royale. And even though I make comparisons to that sort of villain in the last podcast, I hadn't quite realised until I was watching it this time round how much 
this has the same basic plot as Skyfall. Uh, coincidentally, I would imagine they're both riffing on the WikiLeaks thing. Uh, it's sort of about a guy who was left for dead by the head spy after being their number one devote assistant, coming back with a stolen data disk to wreck their revenge. And I think you've made both stories, they both want the same thing. They're both desperate to have a recognition from this person they were so obsessed with in the past. So I think that is, uh, I mean, imagine, I think you may have mentioned it in one of the, uh, the previous issues, actually, but imagine what Tarantulas could have done if he'd just been after pure straightforward revenge working for the Decepticon. Uh, I think he says you know, he could have won the war for them in weeks with his, uh, his camouflage spark thing, as, as the technical name is. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, it is just all about Prowl and all about having the, uh, I can't think of the right word, but... I suppose respect, but uh, a more intense. Yeah, and to go back to, to go back to the time when they were a team, mm. you know, and they would just, you know, hang out and watch Netflix and uh, kill kill neutrals and blame it on the Decepticons. Uh, Netflix and kill. <laughs> 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 I think that's going to be the podcast name. <laughs> <laughs> and also here we get record rule used as a uh, a radio response uh, like a marker which, yeah which becomes quite key in issue five as well and uh proud proud looks quite happy when he's saying it as well i don't know if he's just smug about getting one up on tarantulas or if he's just really getting into the the be punch in the face thing <laughs> well no there is i mean okay for all the sense that uh, for, for, for all the fact that Prowl is kind of a prop in this story. Uh, with him saying the wreck and rule, and him at the end, what he does, I do get the feeling that in his heart of hearts, he would actually like to be Impactor. He would actually like to be the guy going out, being, you know, doing the heroic things. Mm. Or he would like to be Springer, rather. Or, or Cup, which is who he chose as his proxy. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just wanted to say Prowl is being very sneaky here uh, about avoiding impetus. So he starts talking about Osiris really quickly to distract Tarantulas, and he succeeds because mm. then Tarantula just gets really angry at him, punches him in the face, which Prowl just takes on because, as we said, it's it's almost like a you know part of the plan uh, for him. Yeah, they think they've won because they've hit me. Mm, and then uh, just proceeds to get rescued by <sighs> Cup and the others who basically tell him, we hate your guts and this isn't about you, but we'll come get you anyway. Uh, with the Osterous <laughs> thing, what I found interesting actually is that Bovis is otherwise quite a different story totally. That's very much in keeping with Last Sand of Wreckers where you have the two different versions of uh, Pover. And you sort of you told one version what happened, then another version, and here we later find out a third version is uh, the truth. So it's sort of that sort of uh, unreliable narrative thing is a common factor of both record series. Hmm. Also, I guess what Osterus gives us is something you know, just like how More Than Meets the Eye gave us romantic couples as like a new thing to play with, which this kind of you know does the does something weird with but um this actually gives us our first parent child relationship in amongst transformer characters tarantulas and ostrus well really that, that keeps... and prowl <laughs> oh and i think prowl's proud of springer 
Yeah. And protective. Yeah. I think you're right. So, we get Guzzle. Hmm. He wants to bring the house down. And we've got debris crashing into the noise maze. Yeah. And the tarantula scraps prowl and um, tries to sever the uh, coupling. While Hubcup. Oh, is that what he's doing? Yeah. Whilst the uh, Hubcup um, starts sets off um, to leak all the uh, documents. So um, Hubcup. Uh, Prowl starts talking to Hubcup and Hubcup starts having a change of mind and uh, decides, no, I don't want to be a horrible person after all. I want to be good. So he doesn't press the button. Instead, he releases uh, the others. So he releases RC and uh, Springer and Impactor and Roadbuster and Verity and gives them their weapons bag as well, just to be extra helpful. So it's that long-standing, uh, severe, serious mistake in Transformers fiction of locking up people near their guns, which uh, never ends badly. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I said Impactor. Impactor isn't there. Impactor is in debris. He's about to make oh, an entrance. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so this is where the comic starts to get completely batshit insane. And we get some... Mm-hmm. Uh, so after serious philosophical discussions the first half... This second half is like, hey, look at this crazy stuff. Starting off quite big with debris coming through the noise maze, sort of forcing their space station through a tiny door as well. Which I think Nick mentioned on Twitter the day we were recording, but at one point there was a, a wreckage shuttlecraft uh, that was in this story. We had, he, was one of, he was giving a list of names he prepared for it, one of which I quite liked was the permanent stain. Uh, presumably, that original outline, that shuttle would have been doing this with Urban Insane. And I think it works much better. And it's more visually strong an image. And it's have a giant space station bash its way through instead. Yeah, this really feels like, I don't know if you ever play role-playing games of Dungeons & Dragons or something. This really feels like, you know, it's it doesn't say in the rule book that I can't do this. So <laughs> let's do this. Uh, and a guzzle gets another cracky line in. We're, we are all going home with fur coats. <laughs> yeah, Cup gives it a thumbs up as well. My favourite background character is the walrus maximal, or whatever he, he is uh, hanging around in the background. We get a better look at him later, but uh, he's my favourite. I want him to, to have his own miniseries. Yeah, I mean, the interesting card of Ark has no problem coming in to help Tarantula Seaver because that's part of their deal, even when the others are a bit hesitant. It's a nice establishes him as sort of a man of his word. Even though by this point he must be thinking it's all going a bit pear-shaped in there and nothing's really going... <laughs> yeah, but you know, a man, a man of his word is, is definitely right. It reminds me a bit of Mike from Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Like, you know, you do the job. Oh no, then we get Tidal Wave coming through as well. Yeah. Another... And it gets really <laughs> crazy. <laughs> That's how that he's that pissed off. He's gonna do this clearly just because he's bored. He's completely <laughs> screwing up all their plans. <laughs> yeah. What What was the line uh, that he says right before he decides this is what he's gonna do? I've been excluded from group activities <laughs> for the last time. <laughs> As if it's like a, a day out scene or something like that. Oh, I can't. I go to a company picnic. It's not fair. I have to stay in the office every time. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Excluded. That's the word that makes that funny. Man, I, I mean, we don't really know what happens to Tidal Wave after this, but I really hope he's around for a long time. Prices of Tidal Waves, I've been in bidding wars on eBay for Tidal Waves now, and they've gone upwards of £50. He doesn't even have a robot mode, as I suppose. It's not, that's just silly. So, yeah, Noise Maze is all going crazy. So we've got Cup, Guzzle, and Impactor in there fighting Mayhem. And then we've got Roadbuster, RC, Springer, and Verity trying to rescue Prowl with a brilliant line from RC. We've got violent tendencies and serious issues with guilt. Is this the right room? Of course, we established here, I think, the last issue she's working on her quips as well, and she yeah. can't put up a good one. But so she's, she's trying hard for, with a banter, and she's working it well. <laughs> she's still better than Verity, definitely. Every time Verity says something, it's just like, no, Verity, no. <laughs> but she would be that person. Verity would be, if you were friends with Verity, you would be thinking that all the time. <laughs> yeah, we've got a um, a touching moment between Prowl and Springer there. Well, I say touching. <laughs> as touching as they ever get. <laughs> he doesn't get punched, Prowl, so I, I think in his Give book, him a gun. that's uh, probably... Tarantula, she'd said. <laughs> Have your own medicine. Kind of a, a bit of a change here. The way Trentus has been uh, depicted is very much like a sneaky character. Here he's holding off RC, Robuster, and uh, Springer all at once. Yeah. Yeah, in a fist fight as well. It's not even as if he's got big guns or anything like that. I suppose that's a bit. He does, though. It like go of his got nine guns. legs. <laughs> yeah. They turn into no, uh, guns. He's not using them on this page, though. He's just trying to. Slap him with his legs, which is yeah, he hasn't really gotten into it yet. Prowl escapes while well, Trust escape with Hubcup. Springer gives him a gun, says, Off you go. <laughs> that will end well, yeah. <laughs> um, back in the noise maze, we've got um, a bit of a back and forth between Carnivac and Impactor. Well, oh, yes, back... it's the, the setup, yeah. Which uh, actually, uh, again, we didn't really uh, touch on it at the time, but that's set up in where they first meet in issue uh, two, I think it is as well, where Karnovic is sort of going, ah, so Pacter, you're not just shooting me straight off. You're actually listening to what I'm saying here. Mm-hmm. And in Pacter's pretending he's not interested, but in retrospect, he was clearly a lot of that was sinking in already, but what Karnovic was saying. Hmm. They do seem to hit it off, though, Sue, don't they? <laughs> Not as much as he hits it off with Tidal Wave. <laughs> but, oh man, Guzzle's line. I am excellent at my job. <laughs> it's the happiest we've ever seen him. So, so uh, yeah, Tidal Wave then manages to turn himself inside out. So now they are inside the noise maze, which is inside nothing. Yeah, because they were inside Tidal Wave, right? Yeah. <laughs> They hadn't quite twigged. Yeah. Uh, I think it might be like when two TARDISes land in one another, one ends up inside the other one, inside the other one, inside. It's like they're in Tidal Wave, but Tidal Wave's in there with them as well, who is inside himself. And it's just getting very reality stretching at this point. Oh man, Tidal Wave is huge. Look at how tiny Impactor is. Yeah. When he kicks him. (laughs) He's cutting plans to get inside Trattress. Yeah. <laughs> um, we so yeah, we flash 
back to the uh, Tarantulas versus everyone fight. Uh, and the uh, Tarantulas got the big guns out now. Ah, yes, he's, he's putting a bit of effort in there. <laughs> yeah, and um, Roadbuster thinks this isn't going to end well. So he, uh, he makes a decision. Which, uh, which calls back uh, to Pyro in Last Sand, actually, doesn't it? It's the same sort of, uh, you guys go, I'm going to do this myself moment. But again, we sort of an added dark twist because of why he's doing it in this case. Mm. Yeah, it's, it seems to be the wrecker thing to do. Yeah, just manoeuvre five. You go on ahead, guys. But yeah, it, it is, it is kind, it is kind of a cliche. But I think it's, it, it, it makes this arc that's been set up for a roadbuster, where like he's, he can be both. He can be two things. He can be the guy who's stuffing people in a hole, and he can be the one who wants to who is your friend. Absolutely, and to him, going after tarantulas has an extra meaning, anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, certainly. This is, this is. <laughs> I'm gonna hit the guy who can change size with a with a velocity based attack. <laughs> but um... yeah, I mean, really, this should feel a bit rushed as well because at the start of this issue, he didn't even know Tarantulas was his arch enemy. But it works. Uh, it's sort of, I think, how striking that flashback was to what happened to him gives this the weight it needs, even though it's been introduced very quickly. Uh, so that really, really does work well. I don't hmm. know about that, actually. I thought that that was a little bit too convenient because I don't think Tarantulas would have expected the Wreckers there. So Roadbusters are unplanned. And nevertheless, it turns out that Tarantulas and Roadbusters have got all this history, so it, it feels a little bit forced, I think. I'm not quite following. What do you mean, oh, well, Tarantulas didn't expect the Wreckers to ever be here when he kidnapped Prowl? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's not something he deliberately arranged. It's uh, no. just coincidence. Yeah. Okay. If you see what I mean, but I, I, yeah. I'm happy to just go with it. Uh, yeah, so I said, it might be, how that starts might be a bit of a cliche, but the resolution. Definitely is not going to be. But uh, before that, though. Before that, we've got. Prowl and Hubcap. Yeah. This is it. This is the hinge. This is the hinge of the series mm. for me. Yeah, I agree with you. And, uh, I said in the last podcast, one of my issues with Prowl's appearance in Rebel Sun Disguise issue 50 was that it denied Prowl the chance for any character development in this, in scenes, because it looked like he was just going to pick up from where he left off. And I mean, we still don't know how it will be carried out into XRID, but I think, at least in terms of this comic, I was wrong there, because this is a pivotal character moment for Prowl. Yeah, where he puts down the gun. And decides it has to be another way. I'm not sure, frankly. I think it's what Tarantula says in the um, second issue, I think, that Prowl just goes through these phases, and it's what Tarantula says further down in this issue, that um oh sorry actually it's the next one that prowl never pulls the trigger it's true to character i don't think this is development for prowl i think this is that like when prowl is confronted with the uh the black and whiteness of right and wrong prowl will fall on the side of what's right because he would never let himself be colored purple but then he just goes back to doing what he was always doing, which is, you know, function somewhere in the middle. So I don't know if this is a uh, a way forward for Prowl. I think this is just Prowl. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we kind of cast Tarantulas in the role of Hubcap, 
I guess his whole breakup with Tarantulas was an attempt to try and go on the on the straight and narrow, but of course didn't. Mm. And and yeah, he didn't pull the trigger there either. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, this could be this could be his doom rather than his his twist. I think coupled with something he does at the end of issue five, it suggests uh, a, a potential change. Like you said, Marion, he, he is now established as somebody who constantly changes his viewpoints on life. Thanks to all those lovely different writers having so many different takes on him. So yeah, yeah, actually, that's, that's a good point. But actually, I was critical of that as well last time we talked about it, how different writers handle him. But I think this kind of wraps him up. Like, even between the three of them, so between James Roberts, John Barber and Nick Roach, I think, for me, this is a good wrap-up of Prowl. Like, all these different facets of his personality kind of make sense. Hmm. Yeah, it, it does work here. It's, uh... Oh, poor old Hubcap's thought about Logo flying off as he falls. Oh. But I also wanted to say, you know how you said, Tom, earlier that perhaps what Prowl would really like was, would be to be out there in the middle of the action? Mm. He does get a chance to do that when he joins up with the Constructicons. And he he does, he goes for it. Yeah, you know, I'd forgotten all about the Constructicons. Um... Well, thanks for reminding us, Marion. <laughs> well... No, that's right, again, that, that also feels... Uh, you know, for whatever happened in that storyline, like it, it doesn't feel wrong for this guy to be doing that. Uh, you, you know what it actually reminds me of? Something I, I saw this week. It was a, I think it was a mayor in Hungary. Hungary's having uh, something of an internal crisis. Uh, you know, a lot of sort of unchecked xenophobia is now getting out of control with a influx of refugees. The president, I think they have, is uh, you know very much against it, and kind of people on his side uh, and both sides now trying struggling to show how against refugees they are. And one mayor put out an advert of himself looking, trying to look as tough as he could in his like jeans, and I think he was only able to get the budget to get like one four by four, which actually looked a lot like Prowl's body in in Robots in Disguise chasing down sort of vague looking brown men out in the in, out in the bush you know and like looking tough and wearing sunglasses and it just looks ridiculous and pathetic like this guy wants to be in the thick of it and uh, that, that did kind of remind me of prowl uh going nuts tearing down buildings and disobeying orders once he's got a gestalt to play with uh but finally hubcup considers him one of the big guys you know in the uh, hubcup prowl scene Hubcup mm. says, people like me versus people like you. People like me, you know, oh. the small people versus people like you, the big people. And I think Hubcup actually means it literally. He doesn't mean it metaphorically. Oh. Oh. Everyone's bigger than Hubcup. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can, I guess, you know, with Transformers, you can really play with that. You've got such different body sizes that you, you can, I mean, it does generally tend to be the case that the big expensive toys tend to be more, more important characters. Yeah, but uh, I told you last time, didn't I? It was all about pipes. It, <laughs> it was all about small robots dying in dark corridors. I told you, didn't I? Oh, nuts. I didn't spot that. It was a very well-lit corridor of a pipe side in there. He's been a fair hubcap. <laughs> <laughs> of course, after that fall, he'll probably be as flat as pipes were. Aww. Prowl's... Um... 
the logic is sound, there has to be the strength to change, is an interesting echo to one of my favorite scenes from um, Combiner Wars, uh, right after he loses his eye, in fact, uh, where he's pulled away while screaming at Optimus that things never change. Oh, yeah. Well, things don't change, Prowl, because of you, Prowl. <laughs> maybe you're the problem. So maybe there's something to uh, the development uh, angle um, you were um, talking about earlier, Shit. Well, the idea that he, he's acknowledging himself as, as the problem. At, at this point in his cycle of yeah. big changes, anyway. <laughs> Until he moves on. Well, I guess, yeah. I mean, you know, back in the day, Tarantulas was the problem. Like, I'm the good guy, but Tarantulas makes me bad. Hmm. And now he's like, no, maybe I... Because I guess the, the, in, in, when Tarantulas is talking about how he has the potential to heal people, but I don't do that. You don't do that. So why is it that I'm healing people, but you're not? Because like, maybe, yeah, maybe Prowl's the bad guy. <laughs> maybe Prowl's the bad influence here. And uh, he, for all his logic and planning and what have you, he's very uh, emotional in his reactions. Oh, yeah. So maybe it's, uh, you know, when he can actually calm down and think things through, he falls back on the uh, logical approach. But he can't always yeah. bring himself to do that. Yeah, he, he wants to be the chess player, but he can never quite pull it off properly. He's one of the he's most the emotional, uh, like, yeah, he's, he's the one of the characters most likely to flip out, apart from Guzzle. Yeah, and you, you, you said that to me um, in the last podcast, Tom, and I hadn't really thought of it that way, but yeah, I am, I'm with you now. Okay, I mean, it reminds me a lot of um, uh, in, the, in the old days, Furman used to write Shockwave like that. That Shockwave. Yeah, sort of would, a for breakdown, yeah. Yeah, that he'd like, if, if anything kind of went a bit off, he would just be, um, yeah, very quick to lash out and to panic and to um but then always to say that he acted very logically of course impactor is the one to take the shot and i think he says it uh, he said it in issue two he's he's been cleaning up prowl shit forever and uh, that's his uh, his lot in life to be constantly making these decisions well maybe not the decision but carrying out the actions that prowl won't do himself Hmm. Which kind of makes you, you know, if that's their relationship, and this has kind of been brought up before, but it does seem to confirm that the whole mess on Pova was very much part of their understanding. Prowl says, oh, I don't think you can, you can kill those guys. In fact, says, okay, I definitely have to kill those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again, I don't think Prowl would have genuinely wanted diplomatic repercussions, which seems to be what he was actually worried about at the time so maybe that's what usually would have happened and in fact uh, misread it for once uh, that's why he yeah. went to prison for years yeah that's that that, to <laughs> that, that totally reads now look when i say <laughs> don't kill him i know it usually mean kill him but this time when i said don't <laughs> kill him i meant don't kill him yeah but the government it's soft with us now it's uh... yeah because we do know that um well, this is from Getaway's mouth, of course, so God knows. But you know how he referred to the diplomatic corps as the wreck is done, right? You know, it was what Prowl really wanted. Hmm. So there's an, an interesting contradiction there. Oh. Mm. Yeah, so Hubcap is gone. Yeah. Did, did he deserve that? No. Well, would he's under a military tribunal, which presumably he'd have been 
tried and uh, would he have been uh, up for the death penalty anyway? Well, I guess, Marshall. think of, I mean, you know, think of real world precedent here. Think of Snowden and, and Manning. Like, you know, Snowden's been exiled, essentially. Manning is in solitary confinement, being essentially tortured day in, day out. Like, no, no, people don't, they, nobody deserves that. Right, and even those two uh, sequence of events led to a jarred spider erupting from a bloke's head. Which, that would be but, better. He may be slightly more culpable than they are <laughs> in the bad things going on. That's the thing, like, as, 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 as horrific as this series gets, as, as uh, you know, gory and as over-the-top it gets, like, it's not as bad as the real world. Yeah, and I, I have to say, Roadbuster's exploding head felt weak compared to what came in the preceding pages. Yeah, so the Roadbuster thing, you know, I visually, that is a study. I think, uh, I don't think he's confirmed it yet, but he did say before this came out, uh, that Nick Rage said that this issue contained his favourite image out of the entire series, and I'll be amazed if this was not that image, because it's just uh, uh, using mass shifting in a sensible way. It's a logical extrapolation of that power to change your size that drastically. But it's just such an insane, twisted visual. And uh, I think think when the the spoiler statute limitations has expired on this, that will become one of the most memed images in all Transformers comics for sort of a Transformers equivalent to that panel of Batman slapping Robin. The only thing I don't like about it is the really big sound effect. I think that that image doesn't need a sound effect. It's, it's a beautiful image, but I'd like it, I'd like it with a, a you know a clean one. So I, I love that myself, but I can, I can see why you were as keen. You felt about was a bit of a come down from the, the philosophical stuff beforehand, though, Marion. Hmm. I think this is just me though, because a lot of people have praised this or commented on this scene. So maybe that's just you know, God doesn't have an impact on me because I watch too many horror films. Whilst all this talk about what's right and what's not, and the impact of taking the shot where you weren't expecting him to, that had shocked me. And then we move on to some gore, so it was just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's the, yeah, there's like, there's not much emotionally to that, I guess. It is just like one guy being mean to this other guy. It's not like it doesn't really have that much weight to it. I agree. Uh, it, it actually makes the panel below that of tidal, a giant tidal wave marching towards the breeze, shooting it with his nipples whilst walking about inside a noise maze that was previously inside himself. It, it almost makes that look normal, which is quite... <laughs> right, and then uh, we're back in the uh, dark corridor. Uh, Springer turns up with RC and asks where Hubcup is, and it's like, Prowl, you didn't. And it's like, no, it was Impactor. Oh, okay then. <laughs> Which says a lot about the Springer-Impactor relationship as well, actually, because he'd probably have punched Prowl again if it had been him. He's already sent Impactor to prison. You can't do it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I want to see things right. The universe doesn't have that much time, Prowl. <laughs> yeah. um, Prowl has a plan. How has that been working for you? <laughs> Which is a nice meta touch about how he's, uh, all his schemes have gone lately. Uh, yeah, but it's interesting that 
he does decide to make they could just run away at this point terribly fast mm-hmm. and there's a good chance whole place would wind up destroying itself anyway with the way tidal waves going about but he makes a very conscious decision to take an active role and come up with this plan which uh, nicely depends on tidal wave being in there as well so it's, not, it's not just a cool mental image mental insane image not in the head sorry uh, uh-huh. it, it's not just a cool insane image it's uh, it's key to a plot resolution as well tidal wave going in there so that's a nice uh, bit of economy of writing so it's, it's probably key to try and change here i think uh he's sort of making a step he doesn't he wouldn't necessarily have to because if he'd have said let's run they'd have all run with him without any arguments but um don't they need to go back and actually destroy the whole place and that's they can't just leave it there i mean that that is a very proud thing to do you know there's evidence here there's like things that are potentially dangerous and um, you know we can't just leave it lying around this is cleanup this is yeah. this is exactly what they've been complaining about yeah yeah, yeah. He is framing it as if it's heroic, but this is exactly in his character modus operandi. Oh, poor old Cloud. He's trying and nobody believes in him. <laughs> but yeah, we've got a, a team meeting. They all agree on the course of action and they get to the um, to the core of the thing. I quite like uh, this techno babble as well. And I quite like the idea that, like, you're mass shifting. So what is that? I mean, that would... That's a serious deal. You can't just... And even just the fact that even in a normal Transformer, there's still some mass shifting going. Taking that as a given, not trying to ignore it, and then actually use it. Enjoy that. For once, I like the fact that they explain the plan. Yeah, and they do it, and it's fine. Yeah, yeah it, 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 it makes sense as well, yeah. Because honestly, if they hadn't explained the plan, I would have no idea what the hell's going on in the next issue. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, like, because it's all nonsense science, you can't, you know, take the hint that this is what's going on. And uh, I think the, uh, the big column thing looks uh, like it's visually based on the new series uh, TARDIS console, the time rotor, where it goes up to the ceiling and sort of circular thing, the control panel at the base of it. So I think that's a little nod to the uh, to Tardis. Uh, Verity tells us that she's feeling better. Yeah. With all this, think of all the guilty people who Trench just could have mm. saved. Could have done wonders for the Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's done something weird to her. And by the time this is over, he'll have done something weird to everyone. Ooh. Yeah, it's perhaps a little bit clunky about how she just sort of decides that she's got better. Because that can't be, a, what, half an hour or so since she woke up after being captured at most. And she's decided she feels better enough already. She must have been had something done to her. That's perhaps a little force there. But, uh, yeah, quite quite no, nice. no. She was strapped inside an alien guilt machine and then had to fight a giant spider. I guess she didn't really have time to... <laughs> yeah. She's taking stock now, fair enough. Uh, nice and the Sainted Cliffhanger as well. It's all sort of big fireworky stuff, of which they could have done something with all the tidal wave stuff going on out there. But instead, it's just like a tarantula just sat there rubbing his hands together metaphorically. <laughs> uh, on to issue five. We open our lovely, lovely splash of tidal wave versus debris versus guzzle versus cup versus some, some cool generic maximals. Um, I think that's actually, I think we see Beast Wars Prowl 
you see like an owl guy, like a snowy owl guy, um, oh, yes. and a puffin guy. They're all still Arctic themed, which is which is um, pleasing to me. Hi, and then tarantulas gets bigger. <laughs> which is another great battle to me. Verity makes a terrible joke. We need a bigger shoe. I like I like uh, RC's joke of you can have too many party tricks. <laughs> yes. Tarantulas does have a lot. A lot. I mean, why didn't he do this earlier? Actually, I wonder if Nick was thinking about Jared Spider from the Return of Optimus Prime when he was coming up with this, because that's on a very similar web as well, over a chasm. And I bet he would have had that video when he was a kid, because we all did. It was in the video shop, but I never got it. What was what's the giant spider in Return of Optimus Prime? Uh, it's when they're on their way to get the special metal to coat uh, Optimus with, and they have to go to the Decepticon base on Char, and Galatron's just been a dick. And he leads them over this cobweb, and then a giant spider turns up and starts attacking them. And Galvatron just flies off, going, Autobots can't fly! Uh, which is more than I expected to talk about the return of Optimus Prime in this podcast. Tarantulas um, refers to Verity as an augmented Earth creature. Yeah. Is oh that because he augmented her? She's going to be a Titan Master in the next crossover. That's a yeah, robot listen. GB Blackrock in Overnote X Robot in Disguise and her. They're going to be two Titan Masters. I would quite like it to be a Titan Master of some. I don't know, I don't know how much they're going to go with that, but maybe she'll be sent on Prime's Titan Master. That'd be great, wouldn't it? I, I don't get Springer's pun when he shoots Tarantulas in the eyes. Uh, yeah, it doesn't quite hang together as a joke. I don't know why he says that, but I think he just says spiders are crap. <laughs> he should have said that's one of the eye. That's what I'd have said. They can't all be winners. Uh, Before that, though, Springer says, look, I'm going to do this, but he doesn't actually plan on dying, because insert joke here. <laughs> oh. But nevertheless. Oh, I don't plan on dying. Oh, it's dropped the top, the joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he, does, he has nothing better to do today, though. He had no other plans. <laughs> <laughs> Um, nevertheless, um, Impact seems a bit uh, reluctant to to leave. Yeah, but they're arguing who gets to do the heroic sacrifice. No, I want to do it. No, I'm doing it. <laughs> but um, uh, Tarantulas grabs Verity, and then everyone saves her. But I really like some of the things he says here, actually. The fact that uh, he can create life, and all the resources he has, and all the technology he has, and what he can do with it. I mean, never mind winning the war for the Decepticons in a week. I mean, he could make Earth a paradise with all the, the tricks he's got here. He could do what Optimus is trying to do over in All Hail Optimus. Yeah, he could, they could really help each other out if they just sat down and, yeah. um, you know, talk to each other. I'm trying to get my head around Tarantulas' logic a little bit here. So he's accusing the others of treating Verity like some kind of novelty pet. Hmm. He's the only one who cares about her. That's why he's going to experiment on her and keep her as his lab rat. Um, yeah, I'm not following you there, Tarantulas. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's the age-old complaint about the humans in Transformers as well. He's actually articulating that directly. Why, why are you hanging around with these people and nearly getting them killed every, every ten minutes? At least I kept her alive with my magic uh, techno-babble. And also, I mean, to Tarantulas, being a lab rat is a compliment. He considers everyone his lab rat. Impactor, you seem so smart. Insane, yeah. Creepily dependent and fixated, definitely. 
she come across as knowing about a lot of stuff. That's nice, nice diplomacy there. <laughs> I would be fair to, to Angela said he packed her knew each other formally before. But I wonder if they actually were acquaintances or even friends before. Uh, yeah, this is. He was Prowl's uh, guy. Way relates to him means it does seem to think that they are strangers. He might have been aware of him of uh, of being Prowl's bestie, bestie wife. Yeah. His other significant other, as it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we get a big revelation here, which is what we suspected last issue. Well, yeah, last podcast anyway. With uh, it wasn't Prowl that pushed um, a soft lesson in noise maze. It was Impactor. Mm. So on Prowl's orders. Definitely, yeah. But this is a time where we're led to understand Prowl is not high command. He, mm. uh, he's doing things to impress his superiors. What kind of hold or why why is Impactor following him the way he's following him? Why why all the favors? <laughs> why all the he points Prowl owes him various things as well so uh, whatever you owe me already you could never pay me back for shooting or saros he implies the prowl already owes him a hell of a lot of favors at this point as well so when it, it, it looks as if prowl is the one in debt to impacto rather the other way around so what's what what he's making impacto work with prowl in this way mm. if that's the case he's, he's obviously not being pressured into it but he looks like he can take or leave whatever prowl's telling him to do at this point maybe he's a believer in what Prowl's trying to do at that stage. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the simplest explanation. And it also accounts for him, well, you know, him taking the betrayal of Prowl and you know, being more personally. It's like, I, you know, I, I didn't do all the horrible things because I wanted to. I yeah, thought that you were onto something. I guess you weren't. Hmm. Been eating Prowl's sins. Yes, that's a that's a good phrase, isn't it? And uh, and very Catholic as well. This is a very Catholic comic that is made very literal. I don't think anybody who was raised in any other culture would have written something like this. Hmm, that's that's interesting. It, it's not something I would have thought of at all, having not been raised in that culture. So that's a uh, it's a good take. And of course, the final reveal of what really happened with Osiris. That he's alive, and I think we pretty much called this as well, didn't we? We said it would have to be either Springer or Impactor. And uh, there's some foreshadowing earlier uh, where uh, Cup and Impactor are talking about Springer's luck. And Cup goes, somebody must have set the kid a good example, which would seem to be what Impactor did for him when he took him and uh, took him in. Yeah, that, that had been exactly my thought when I read that. And this idea of you know of Springer literally being the new generation, um, but I suppose, you know what is the greater good if you don't have children? That's always what's implied by like oh well I had to do something horrible because it would work out better in the end. If if there's no next generation, if you've got no stake in the future, you just wouldn't do that. You'd you'd opt for the the simpler, less uh, sinful thing. Um, so, yeah, I think the reason why this all hinges on Springer is that it does give everybody a sense of perspective, which is, you know, much more human and also much more relatable. They, Prowl would continue to do his monstrous things for a better world. Tarantulas would do, would do better things for a better world because they have a stake in it. 
speaking to somebody without children who sort of apparently towards middle age now, people without kids can worry about the future as well, Tom. It's not... I mean, no, Kyle no, is pretty conservative. I'm sorry, have, you, have either of you seen the film Interstellar? Yeah. Uh, I, I found Woody... It's Woody Harrelson, isn't it? Uh, the main bloke in it. No, it's not. Who's the main Matthew guy? Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. I found him such a dick in that film because he was just so up himself over his kids. He had no concern about the fate of humanity at all. He was oh, I'm never going to see my daughter. You're supposed to be saving the entire human race, you bugger. Uh, your kids are not more important than that. Uh, uh, plenty but of people have tried to save done heroic, noble self-sacrifices, had kids, a, a greater good first. Uh, stop. Uh, this is just mainly my interstellar rant now. Oh, I didn't yeah, really like that film very much. <laughs> Don't take it so personally, though. It's, you know, it's it's a metaphor. Matthew McConaughey, those aren't really Matthew McConaughey's children. Um, well, it's not really his opinion either. I get that, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but you, 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 the fact that, like, you know, this is this is a a a tool, a you know, a story tool that's used in lots of things, and it's it's inter- it's we found an interesting way to get it in here, and it makes these kind of schema types more realistic. Them, them having a, a solid, relatable character who represents their interest in the future. Do you think that this applies, though, when it comes to Transformers? It's not something that's been expressed by them before, given how long they live. So a next generation has never really been an issue. Yeah, which makes you wonder why they get you know, do, do most of the things they do. I mean... Why, if they've got space travel, why don't they just leave? It's always, it always has to come around this idea of home or something special about Cybertron, but that's not as satisfying as like, uh, yeah, there are innocents who might die. And I guess like humanity becomes the stand-in for children in that Optimus Prime is your dad and he is protecting you, the audience, who's the child. Mind you, we did see the, the Christmas, uh, Christmas more than me I saw a world being very paternal towards what he thought was a protoform. So it's, those yeah. are like their children, Tom, the protoforms. That's what they're fighting for. <laughs> yeah, but we never see them, or they, and they seem to be really rare. Um, and that's, that's fine. I'd like to see that mind, like a children of men kind of thing. Like when, when children are so rare, the, the, just the sight of one, like just the, the sound of a child crying can stop a war, you know. I suppose with the uh, lack of hotspots over millions of years, any kind of new life form, any kind of new Cybertronian life form has become more important. So, and um, in this instance, Ostros is, of course, a unique life form as well because he's a synthetic life form. Yeah. So like some sort of Matthew McConaughey, Tarantulus basically decides his child is more important than any of his other plans. Uh, so he goes... Running off after him. Do we think Springer knows any of this? No. Or has any idea of his mysterious past? No. Well, this is the this is the, the genius of the of the missing speech panels. It's up to our imagination. Hmm. Before that, Tarantulas reads Prowl perfectly. It's like, what, you were left to pull the trigger? Wait, you never pulled the trigger. He's still alive, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, bang on. And oh also just before he runs off, uh, this bit where he's having his spider mode eyes chopped off for the retina scan. Uh, did it quite work for me? Because did they establish there was a retina scan? 
No, that's but a total asshole. It's inconveniently placed as well, because if you've got to put your eyes right up against it, so you would have thought you'd have had it, had it up more ground level rather than have to go up to the ceiling every time you wanted to do something. When you've got a man inside himself, inside a pocket dimension, like, why are we using retinal scanners? That's, like, weirdly low-tech, isn't it? Like, a retinal scanner which can be hacked by you by taking... You have a, 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 a superfluous head which can be cut off quite easily, which is also your main means of identification. Like that, that, None of that makes sense. Oh, I don't know, but uh, Tarantulas' eyes are unique. Nobody else will have them. So I can see why he would think that that's a good security measure. But he's got eight of them, and the, most of them come off. Well, he's not expecting <laughs> anyone to chop him off, though, is he? No, but you think he, he's... If it's a security measure, you kind of take your basic physiology, phys- physiology into account. But like also, well, we've we've seen him like walk on ceilings around the base. Like he's the only one who is kind of like you know not much caring which way's up. So the fact that it's up on the ceiling again kind of makes sense because that's how he moves. Sure. I would have thought uh, I would have thought the other retinal scans would work on there as well, though, especially if it opens and closes doors because they, if Cardavac was in bed doing something, it'd be inconvenient to have to phone up Tarantulas to come. <laughs> switch your machine on and open the door every time you wanted to do something <laughs> can't you just give me some of your eyes you've got enough spare I can use that to... um, where Tarantulas realises that Ostras is alive but man that's so nicely written like that whole page where you get Tarantulas realising what's going on you get the wreck coming in from the radio, you get Prowl looking back at Impactor, you get a moment of realization from everyone, and you get the, oh, he's here. I don't know, I just I thought that was perfectly, perfectly written. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't, that, that, the panel where Tarantulas just turns around and just goes off, like the body language on that Tarantula is really good as well. And then combined with the kind of, with a lot going on in that panel, the kind of Kirby-esque Prowl transforming taking off rarity getting into the car mm. while having a conversation with impactor that is some um, some pretty hardcore comic skills there yeah and then the chopping off of the eyes <laughs> just happens almost instantaneously there's some really quick action tarantulas has had like half of himself chopped off by now completely unfazed oh, oh yes i was gonna ask you about it because obviously you found the robust uh happening to be picked for this mission and then turning out to have a key relationship with Tarantulas. You thought that was a bit of a coincidence. Uh, did you find Springer being in this situation as well, equally contrived? Did, did that work better for you? Oh, interesting. I hadn't even thought about it. So no, I guess I didn't. <laughs> but, but Springer was specifically summoned. But Prowl didn't know it was Tarantulas who had him, though. He, he probably wouldn't have summoned Springer if uh, if he'd have known it was Tarantulas. So that's a, an amazing coincidence. But what... um, wouldn't he have figured it out, though? I mean, I know he plays he, he plays it as if it is a revelation, but I can I I can give the story some stretch and think like, yeah, he knew he's got something in his back pocket for if Tarantulas comes back. Yeah, but I guess he wasn't expecting, you know, he left the message in case he was abducted. He mm. wasn't expecting Tarantulas to come back for him. He was surprised when, well, Mesothelus, he was surprised when he saw him. So having, and he wouldn't have summoned Springer there. He, If he wanted to play that card, he would have just said, oh, by the way, 
he's somewhere out there. So the fact that Springer turns up where Prowl probably least wants him in this context. Yeah. Uh, and the you know, the coincidence of Tarantulas himself not knowing who Springer is and so on. Yeah, it is a bit contrived. But this aspect of it didn't really feel as, as contrived as the Roadbuster thing, I guess. All these things put together feel a little forced. Mm. I think this maybe works better because it was set up more beforehand. Mm. Because yeah. as I said, we, we pretty much worked out the Springer Osterous thing. So it, it's not completely out of, It's not as much out of nowhere. No, it's, it's not fair to call the Roadbuster thing out of nowhere, but we were expecting... We did a spot that foreshadowing that was earlier in the series, so it seemed more out of nowhere. While this is more of a natural organic played out of the story. Mm, I think you're right about that. Uh, the setup for Roadbuster, you need to reread the series to spot, whilst with Springer, it's a more at the forefront. I suppose uh, that's how it works a bit better. So we are back in the noise maze, and we've got Tidal Wave. Oh, I just love, I just like how much I love Tidal Wave, but I just love this panel of him just punching it. He's obviously used up all his ammo or something. He's just smashing it mm. and uh, and releases something interesting. Oh, I, I love this page. It's so twisted and funny. I mean, of all the coffins that could have landed on top of her. So that's a bit contrived as well. This is such a, obviously I think people have been, who don't, like the fake out deaths in all the BTI. I've seen a few people say over the years, I bet you James will bottle out to bring this back at some point. And here we get that. We get him coming back, but in a way nobody would have expected. It's just so dark and um, twisted and brilliant, and I just love it. And it's uh, how it's just turning the screws on Verity as well. It's uh, it's a brilliant page. There is, uh, there's a B-moviness about it, I think. Yeah, the corpse lolling out with its dead eyes. I mean, it, it's it, the way it's drawn. I guess I don't think this is the way it's it's intended. But you could even make a case for Verity just closing her eyes. She knows what's coming. She might that might not even this might not even have dropped out the sky in front of her. But she's just so guilty about him that that she expects that to happen. That's that's a good take. I wonder if uh, Tarantulas would have been able to do anything for him. Oh, like, certainly. Too late, too late now. <laughs> oh, then uh, Prowl drives up to Cup and Castle and gets punched in the face again. Good old punch. Which is the final long, long, long delayed payoff to that Cup story from All Hail Megatron Coda. It's been a long road getting here because that's uh, what we've got records for six years ago now. So that must be seven or eight. Right? Coda story. Yeah. Jeez, uh, really? Wow. Mm, Jeez. Yeah. I think it's something like late 2009, early 2010, you're right. But I don't know. I don't know. Because, you know, on the other hand, Prowl let the cop be rescued and then fixed him. You know? True. Yeah? Gave him a cigar? What? Why does he not have a cigar anymore? Is that a thing? Cigar. I think because um, yeah. people forgot about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I bet I bet well, a bit of what a bit of line explanation stuck in there somewhere. John Barber is that a man to it was only like a, a two part story where was in the sky explaining it, we've just forgotten. He's feeling better. He doesn't need it anymore. And yeah, they explain the plan. The plan's been explained to them. 
Snack attack. Mm. Yeah, he just got set things in his mouth. <laughs> and he goes all wobbly and funny. <laughs> I like um, Guzzle's rocket jump. Uh, I yeah, I'd, I'd imagine. I'd imagine Nick's probably played a bit of Quake back in the day. He knows how these things work. There's a somersault, and while he's facing down, fires and rides the wake of his explosion up to. Yeah, it's the kind of thing you could do in computer games quite a lot. Nice. This is all very. The, the colours and the uh, all the swirls here, they're a bit Tim Burton esque, I find. That is a bit. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll go. Uh, I'll go a bit against the grain here and say I don't particularly like. I'm not particularly impressed by the way the noise maze is presented. I don't think it's a perfect marriage with the text of it being this absolutely crazy, sense-racking place. A couple of Tim Burton swirls and purples doesn't really sell it the way I think it wants to be sold. Hmm. But. Didn't it have that impact on you when you first saw it in the first issue? Yeah, it did. I mean, I know, I, I know, you wouldn't be able to make it weird with all the action that happens. Mm. Yeah, but it's a bit of a shame that it's set up to be this incomprehensible place. But it, it, is, uh, but it looks like humans, tiny tunes. Humans review to its effects, so that's what it is. Ah, uh, yeah, we're not getting all the the, the the broad. I'm not going to have the broadband confusion. That a transformer would have. That would actually be great if Verity turned up. She said, "Like this place doesn't even look weird. It just looks like, <laughs> just looks completely normal." I'd like that. <laughs> and then uh, we all the sort of Chekhov's guns set up in the first half of the series get paid off, where they now contrive to have Cardavac shut down Tidal Wave and set all this blowy, stuffy uppy stuff, in aesthetical term, in motion. That's nicely done. So that's sort of using. Uh, all properly set up, and like the ice scanner, so I, I like that, yeah. And the, uh, the panels start going all wobbly. Yeah, not quite here, but soon after the speech bubbles start breaking up as well. Yeah, so Tarantulas manages to escape Impactor and RC. Impactor and RC just decide they need to do what they need to do. Well, Impactor does eventually. And um, Tarantulas is heading for Springer. And then it all goes a bit funny. <laughs> yeah. We're going to kind of assume, well, this is what it looks like. Tarantulas tries to save Springer, kicks him out. Mm. Springer goes straight back in for some reason. <laughs> uh, he, he probably thinks Tarantulas is trying to dismantle the bombs or something like that, because obviously he's yeah. got no idea what's actually that's going true. on here. So that's why... Yeah, I mean, Tarantulas is saying things like, um, I won't let you die. And uh, I won't lose you again, I assume. Get out. Yeah. Is that love in the the bottom? Yeah. Is it? Who who does he love? That's don't question. you see? Love, don't love. I'm. But man, yeah, I, 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 we, I, we talked about this one of the first things I think I said about uh, about this to you guys. But yeah, this is this is amazing. Just from a from a comicy tricks perspective, the panels going wobbly. And people talking, but their words becoming uh, distorted. Oh, that is, it just presses all my buttons. Which <laughs> is also something that happens in Interstellar, by the way, when Michael Caine is dying and he's saying all these important things, but you can't quite make it out. Uh, I, was, I like that too. I just like it when people are saying things, you can't hear them. <laughs> okay, yes. And uh, we've got the return of Spawn of a Glitch. 
Yeah, but the last clear thing we see uh, said in this sequence as well. <laughs> Which is ironic because, yes, that is what you are. <laughs> oh, you're the, you're the kid caught up in a painful divorce for you, between Daddy, Rome. Prowl, and Bobby Tarantulas, and you be t- Roadbuster head explode dot gif. Just wow, yeah. It's, it's very if we if we go with Tarantulas as a, a, a jealous ex-wife and as Springer's mother, it's very opedal. Uh, is that the right word? Oedipal. Uh, Oedipal. That's right. Uh, even not just Transformers names, any names are pronounced wrong. It's very Oedipal, the k- t- killing his own mother, uh, unknowingly. Oedipal is when you kill your dad. Oh, right, I suppose, yeah, unknowingly, not knowing. Oh, no, uh, what's, it's a, what's a woman about? The O. They didn't bother coming up with a name for that. No, no, it's a, 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 I'm sure it is. Because yeah. it's okay. a, from a Shakespeare play where the guy shags his mom and then kills her. That, uh, the Trojan War, isn't it? Uh, well, that happened in Interstellar too. Oh, it's a uh, McConnellyism, isn't it? Yes, it's. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm sure it's an opedal complex, isn't it? Uh, am I? I'm, I'm, okay. Well, it applies. It applies. It doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a new thing. thing. <laughs> and your uh, mother's a spider, and. Yeah. But what also is interesting about the whole speech rules faded out thing, and I suppose just in case, we'll say we're working from an early proof review copy here, so we're assuming all the blank speech bubbles are deliberate and a really clever touch. If you're reading this at home and going nervous, there's words in every one of those speech bubbles, really clever dialogue in it. <laughs> what are they talking about? That would be why. But, uh, <laughs> Assuming it's deliberate. It's the curse of like cup, you know, when oh, we had that lovely, oh, the lovely silent moment. Well, the dialogue got left out. It's happened again. <laughs> 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 oh, that, if it makes it into the final copy, Nick will be sat at home going, oh, no, it's not clever. I wrote a beautiful thing about evil complexes there. <laughs> bold, bold artistic choice, Nick. <laughs> I thought Tarantulas was a man spider. That's what I meant to do. One other thing that all the, uh, the black speakables is, Springer getting that... Retro, well, almost getting that wreck out before he back to presses a button. Uh, that would must require a huge effort of will on his part to even get my sort of... Uh, mm audible there that sort of says a lot about his uh, his strength of character yeah yeah but we will never know how he'd have reacted if he'd found out sir well we don't know what we don't know what's been said there do we oh and trenches is so sad he is <laughs> and, and springer does look surprised yeah and, yeah, then, he, and then he tries he says wreck he says don't blow me up don't blow us up we got we need to have a chat yeah, remember me from before? Yeah. <laughs> that time, it's me, I'm that guy. Oh, do you know what this is? You know what this is, don't you? Tarantulas is Vader. This is what this is. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> oh. oh, that's so sad. <laughs> but it's still... Yeah. Oh. I suppose that's uh, velocity of Tarantulas, though. 
obviously, uh, despite the bait and switch, we find out Springer survived this. So do we think Tarantula survived it as well? Will he be back one day? Oh, I think he'll definitely be back. In fact, as they're on top of each other, did they escape the same way? Did Tarantula speed them out with his... Well, Tarantulas can shrink down, can he? Yeah. He can be there and not be seen or detected. Hmm. He's in Springer's head. He's got, after the very last page of the comic, he just erupts out of it and goes, oh! Eat Verity. I run them. <laughs> I've learned nothing. Well, speaking of head damage, right at the end, I was not expecting this uh, following page because I thought they'd sort of resolve this as in Cup and Guzzle are okay with each other. Turns oh. out they're not. <laughs> yeah, we get the three panels where Cup... Um, Prowl and Guzzle are making it out and Guzzle pulls the guns on them and then we revisit that and Verity's like come on, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it took me totally by surprise as well I really thought that this was just I guess like last time of the records just like, eh, okay but now like, yeah, he's got them dead to rights he's seen everything, he's like, okay and again, earlier in the story Pact was very upset about uh, about Guzzle. I didn't write it down uh, really annoyingly, but uh, he said, in fact, he says something like, I'm the one who's got to uh, to take care of, of Guzzle, uh, to deal with Guzzle. Okay. At the time, he means helping him through his issues. And here at the end, he, uh, he helped up uh, pretty much sorted out all of Guzzle's problems for all time. Yeah, and... It's like Gasol is having an almost moment of clarity here as well, which makes it doubly sad because he's, you know, yeah. he's been completely out of it up until now. Yes, he's very much back. Uh, do you think this is something he, he's been planning all along if he ever got a, a moment where he could? Because obviously last time after the crisis had passed, he'd be ripped apart, so he couldn't do what uh, the originally planned ended of him shooting Cup. Uh, but even since, as, all, as soon as I get a mode with Cup and there's no other shit going down, I will finish this. Yeah, and I mean, that was of... the whole reason he signed up for the Wreckers, right? It's just because he knew Cup would be on the team. Uh, he's been, he's been, uh, not planning it, but just waiting. I mean, he's not a planner, but just, you know, he's in the right place at the right time. So do we think any of his more jovial attitude before might be a bit of an act on his part to put people... When he's doing the banter back and forth with Cup, but he's deliberately making it look like he's completely unbothered by Cup these days. Yeah, but he's not. Cup is doing the banter to him. His responses are, are, are always very non-committal. Yeah, always like, I'm good at my job. Mm. I'm going to go do this. Uh, Impactor manages to shock me for the second time here. <laughs> like, it makes perfect sense when it happens. It's perfect, but I um, oh, still wasn't expecting it to happen exactly at that point in that way. Yeah, I was I was caught way off, and just just it's just so sad. Like you know, you kind of had your big moment, you had your sort of your your catharsis, but then this, you know, it's just like Hubcap's Hubcap said, like, can we stop this happening? And like, no, obviously we can't. Prowl's done something wrong. He's at the point of atoning for it. Impactor has to clear it up. Impactor has to kill someone he cares about this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he wanted to help and. And save, um, but as with Hubcap, they didn't. Uh, that's obviously a big problem with the records. Their human resources, 
<laughs> Does anybody on this team hate anybody else on the team enough to want to kill them? Let's double check. Well, all right, that's enough. <laughs> and also, I think it's interesting in the last panel, only uh, company actor will look at Guzzle. RC and Prowl turn away. Yeah, yeah, it's a great panel. Because Pactor's uh, like, he's, he's both checking the kill and also kind of like, he's like kneeling by his side. You know, he's it, there's real remorse there. Cup is just overcome. Uh, I mean, we, we saw how how upset he was back in issue one, issue two, about that whole episode. So he can't be feeling great. Well, this is the same day he found out all about this as well. So mm. double, I mean, it's only been hours for him since... Uh... And then we get a, uh, a fade to black with uh, the two black pages. Mm. Almost it looks as if that might be the end of a comic. Uh, I think that's supposed to be what... Where it would work like that in a print edition. And then we find out there is a slightly happy ending instead when he comes back, which is uh, Prowl going back for Springer. Yeah. Who is his dad, of course, basically, in that triangle. So I guess he's he's chosen his side in the divorce, which parents he's, uh, he likes best. I'm going to go live with dad. He's, uh, oh, has Prowl's eye been fixed? Prowl's eye's been fixed. But was it missing again in Robot to Disguise 50? It was. So when the hell is this? What is it? Is he in custody on Cybertron and nobody's mentioned it? Starscream has him? Yeah, it's, a, it's an odd page. Whatever. I do really like the idea that um, you know they tell that they didn't tell Prime any, any, everything and they never do. Let's, let's never talk about this again, uh, so that robots in disguise can just flow without any interruption. Told enough to know that Prowl needs dealing with. But we get the Walrus guy in the next. <laughs> yeah, who I guess isn't long to. He reminds me of uh, is it Snowbio? Is it from uh, Thundercats? Uh, yes, totally. Is it- you got to look like that. Uh, I, had a, I had a toy of him. He was great. Impact has joined Mayhem. So is this, is, this is, is the, well, my question is, is this the revolution that is going to be the, the running title? Yeah, it kind of sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it'd be great to see Impact in one of the, uh, the other titles. Uh, one of the things, as you mentioned, is the reason we haven't had President Impact up till now is that they were keeping him uh, specifically so Nick could use him with Wrecker's sequel. They... Uh, is it kept off stage for that reason? So now that's uh, been done, yeah. Having uh, something packed uh, and these characters bleeding over into the, the rest of the franchise as well. Uh, and actually, yeah, because they, we have had a couple of things about how you can detect uh, the Transformer life size from a distance with the scavengers and with that Christmas story more than the CI. And uh, now we've got these characters who can't be detected by any means. So, yeah, it's. Uh, well, one of the things I said before in the last podcast was I was expecting in his Marvel style, Karnavak, to uh, come round to uh, good guys and be outraged about what Tarantulas has done and do a last-second side switch. But instead, it's almost the opposite of that. You know, he sticks with the Tarantulas plan right to the end, as far as we know. Who are the good guys here? That's yeah. the, I guess that's, that's the inversion. Uh, Two of the side of the antagonists in yep. the story. 
Uh, but he said he talks impact her out, his way of thinking. I think uh, impact talks himself out of it, really, or rather, you know, the the whole story just leads him to change his priorities. And he wasn't doing much before this either. You know, the records had come to an end, the war is finished. He was just, you know, killing time, trying to figure out what to do himself. So Carnivac yeah, coming into the picture right now works for him. Yeah. I mean, geez, if, if Impacted didn't join them, you'd think, like, what are you, what are you doing, dude? Why? What do you want? Mm. This, uh, yeah, this is, it, it makes total sense. And you're right. I've forgotten about how desolate he was. And I love that about the first issue, just <laughs> literally killing time, putting Guzzle in a box. The world's worst therapy. Mm, of course, and then as you say, who are the bad guys and who are the good guys? These guys feel they are the good guys. They're they're right to do good things. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean they haven't they haven't blown up any neutrals and blamed it on the other side yet, have they? I, mean, I suppose also in issue one, he sort of his only two goals he had were one trying to help Guzzle, and presumably two. I don't think he's ever stated outright, uh, but based on what we've seen since, try to help Roadbuster in uh, the same way. And that's mm. why they're all hanging around there. And he's lost all that purpose. You know, I've heard the only other thing he had was looking after Springer. And Springer doesn't need looking after anymore. So it's no. sort of two of the three things he was working on at the start of the series have been completed as a failures. And our happy ending mm. with the Northern Lights. I forgot her that was a callback to what she was talking about with Stakeout until I... First time I read yeah, this, and then I read the whole series again. So that was uh, well, she very nice. Well, she so she just wanted to see the Northern Lights before she died. And um, the conversation she and Springer had about the sky always being red. Mm. Hey, this is probably just a cute little thing, but it's, it might be hard to make out in your PDFs. But if you look at just above a little gremlin style ending here, just above the D on the end, what do you see? A spider. A oh, spider. Fuck yeah. oh, my God, he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> That oh, that is awesome. awesome. <laughs> Nicely played, Nick. Could just be any spider out at night in the yes. Arctic. <laughs> oh, it's so Nick Roach, you wildy man, you. First time I read this, I also missed uh, the shout out to Steakhouse. Uh, oh, yeah. It's understated, ties into a conversation they had, and that's very nice as well that he gets uh, that little moment at the end. Mm. So, guys. What did we think of Sins of the Wreckers? I think it was excellent, but about 10 pages too short. Yeah, if I'm going to start with criticisms first, I suppose one I don't think I've mentioned yet is that the odd thing is, in issue one, we're introducing the story through Cup and RC, uh, sort of the entry point. Cup sort of has a prominent role all the way through, even if he's not quite the lead character, the issue one makes him look like... uh, but RC kind of fades out as the comic goes on. She has nice moments. Uh, but considering how it like, introduces her wanting to find Prowl to do something to him, she's very focused on getting to Prowl in her opening monologue uh, in the comic. And not to save him either. She, re- she at least wants some fairly sharp words with him. And that never winds up quite happening because everybody else is too busy punching him. So I'd say that's just a slight change. But that also is like some of the bits uh, that we've touched on feel a bit rushed as well. Is, is, did anything not work for you, Marion, before we go on for good stuff? Honestly, very few things. I mean, I've picked up on the odd thing here and there. No deal breakers. I don't entirely understand where this fits into the main continuity, which is bugging me. 
but I can, you know, I can, I don't know, I can live with it, I guess. Um, honestly, the only thing I have to nitpick about the writing in general is the persistent use of names in dialogue, and that bothered me from the very first issue. Uh, characters keep repeating each other's names. It just feels really, really unnatural. And it's obviously a choice. I'm not sure why, though. You know, that is a good point. And I hadn't noticed it. And possibly this is what influenced it. Because obviously, at the moment, I'm reading a lot of a Marvel comic. And in those Marvel comics, characters do repeatedly introduce, say their names in dialogue, so that new readers uh, know who's being talked about. uh, So it can be quite silted in the Marvel comic in times as well, like you say, because it's fairly unnatural. So... Uh, that may be why I didn't pick up on that, because I'm just so used to it and reading those Marvel issues at the moment. So maybe Nick was subconsciously doing a Buddy Yansky there. Hmm. I'm just doing a little bit of a count here. And yeah, there are like, there's almost at least one name said in every panel. Yeah, it's especially noticeable in the first issue. Mm. Yeah, Impactor, said- why? Because he wasn't going to. He didn't deserve to die, Impactor. He didn't deserve any of it. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't noticed that, but you, I think... Uh, I suppose you could say, because this is a character uh, story where has characters assuming different names and different identities, uh, some of the twists depend on following that closely, so maybe he felt that, obviously, they, they want this to be read by people who don't know Transformers in and out, so maybe he felt keeping a track of who was who and what they were going under at that moment, that was something he needed, he felt he needed to do for a the less experienced Transformers reader. Uh, but this, but yeah, this is not pitched at the less experienced Transformers reader. <laughs> well, no, but he, he wanted to do something that somebody could pick up and read by itself. That's what he was saying in all the interviews. Okay. He wanted people who hadn't read Last Stand to be able to read this. But whether he succeeded in that, I suppose that's what we're talk about in a minute, but that, that's what he was aiming to try and do, uh, at least in what he said beforehand. But actually, let's talk about that. Do we think he succeeded at creating something you could jump into, think first? Uh, that was one of the sainted goals. I would need to be a totally different person to know. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? But I think so. I think you can pick this up as a trade, as a one-off. And, you know, you'll have to take some leaps if you know absolutely nothing about Transformers. But um, I think you can follow. It's certainly... It's an absolutely gorgeous book. We've said this before. That's enough to sort of like draw the eye. And the story starts off as a mystery to draw you in. Uh, It it starts off with a few characters so you can kind of follow along. I think the characters are distinct enough so you don't have to remember who everyone is all the time to make sense of what's happening. Yeah, I think it would work. Yeah, the only I think maybe RC would be confusing. And... A couple of bits like are we supposed to know who Carnivac is and things like that but yeah I mean the the, the structure's done I mean I guess I, uh, you know really I, think, I, I mean this is like a sincere compliment like this is quite a complex story but it's not very complicated it, 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 it's not gonna like dislocate your jaw unless you're robuster <laughs> it takes place within a, a short space of time a limited locations and um, as far as events go, n- not a lot happens, as you say. It's simple. Hmm. But yeah, I'd say, yeah, maybe, yeah, I think I'm coming think around to this idea that it is probably more accessible than I might have thought. I think anybody who buys comics would also expect if they would pick up a train of a long-winning series, be Spider-Man or Superman or whatever, would expect that 
there'd be some stuff in there in terms of characters and relationships that they wouldn't necessarily pick up on in any in continuity trend. So I think maybe your average comic readers forgiving of references anyway because they're very used to it and stuff they dip in and out of. So this book on the whole, I have really enjoyed it. I think um, I, I was going to say I think I might like it more but then I thought, I don't know, but Reckless has got other strong points. You know, I, I can't. To me, they're not the same. I think technically... This is much more accomplished than records. Not just the fact that you know, obviously, it's gotten better in five years, but just in the the way it's structured, the fact that it's that the art's more consistent and doesn't have fill-in artists. Just the the just the relationship between things like the covers and the uh, and the interiors. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is peak peak of powers mm. stuff here. Yeah, certainly more more consistent. Um, right, the. Um... The art has been beautiful, even in issue four, where we got color fill in by John La Fuente. Oh, yeah, you couldn't tell, I couldn't tell. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, just, yeah. I totally didn't notice, didn't notice at all. I think, I think it's written better than, than Last Stand of the Records. Oh, yeah, I think structurally, the big advantage it has over Last Stand is that it plays off all its plot points, including some of the ones that were left over from Last Stand. Because I think we've talked about this before, but Last Stand did lose track of a couple of its plot lines along the rewind. Mm. So obviously the couple of guzzle thing being the main, the big one. And it also has introduced a couple of things that, that, to play into the other stories at the time. So we'd have to include the scene writing out Shockwave, just because uh, Shockwave had to go off and do other things or uh, that sort of thing. But this is much more self-contained, uh, possibly to the detriment of its relationship with the other comics, as we've discussed. So uh, that score, I would say, definitely works better in terms of structured story than Last Stand. But as Marion said, there's such different types of story. It's uh, despite the thematic things carried over, like the different narrative points of view, uh, an unreliable storytelling uh, that's, that's carried over. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like the aliens to Last Stand's Alien. In fact, not in, in terms of even being like, we don't be like aliens, but it's a sequel that's aiming to be as different from the original as possible. And because it feels the original did what it did so well, there's no point trying to do that again. So let's do something different. And I mean, it does that different thing very well. I think they're both very good stories. So what we need to do is read them all in one go, mm. all the way through, because I think that'll be quite an interesting thing. And I want to do that when the trade comes out. Because I've read Sins of Wreckers a lot this last week. So I'm having a little bit of a break from it and come back to it with the trade. But yes, I mean, it's just such a, so many great moments and uh, mm. thoughtful moments and, uh, uh, is it Nick Roach's little break from Transformers, I think, has made him come back keen, come back with new tools in his tool chest, of cre- his creative tool chest. Uh, he's not a man who would ever use a metaphor, creative tool chest, because he's got better tools in his creative tool chest than that. And it, it just clicks. It feels like a very special book in exactly the same way Wreckers did five, five or six years ago, only this time... That's even more impressive to achieve because a lot, large part of why Last Stand of Wreckers felt so special was because it was in a sea of shit. Mm. Uh, all the other comics. And that made it stand out even more. You know, now we have very, very good Transformers comics surrounding it. And yeah, I would say even the weakest of the other titles we've had in the last couple of years have been better than anything else that came out in the year of, la- of Last Stand of Wreckers other than Last Stand of Wreckers itself. Uh, the bar has been raised, and it still jumped over it uh, effortlessly. I mean, and it uses its limited 
structured to best effect. I mean, it's 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 difficult to compare it to ongoing series because they've got other, you know, masters to to uh, serve. But yeah, I, I, it's 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 definitely it's got a harder act to follow. That's for sure. I just want to give um, a big vote of approval to Tarantulas. Yeah, as a villain. Yeah. As a as a as a character, not just as a villain. Because Nick was um, he was tweeting about him and the fact that he was he tried desperately not to bring any of Overlord into him, but that he felt like the comparisons would be inevitable. How do you top Overlord? How do you do something more? And Tarantulas is a very different kind of villain, and he's certainly more frightening in many different ways. He's very well written. He, you, you can, you know exactly, you know what he wants, why he wants it, and uh, uh, what can go wrong if you don't give it him. Uh, and um, as I said in the previous podcast, I felt that Prowl was in a very different kind of danger uh, around Tarantulas than if he was just a big bad, you know, overload type villain after him. That was fantastically done. I do hope he's alive, and I do hope Nick gets to write him again. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I, it would be, <clears throat> it would be interesting to see where he'd go from here. Now that the Prowl obsession may have gone, and the focus has shifted on Springer. Oh, wow! Yeah, yeah. I go uh, uh, echoing all that. Uh, Trenchless is a fantastic antagonist. Um, I mean, yeah, Overlord is is doesn't really have a lot to him. <laughs> he's, he's got the same kind of, you know, Oedipal thing, but it's from the other angle. He wants to to imp- to to impress Dad, but Tarantulas, yeah, just wants his son back and wants his just wants his life back. Really, he wants yeah. the way it was. He wants it the way it was. And yeah, they're, they're, you're right. There's there's a very different flavor and a very different kind of threat. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, also, I think what's worth remembering with Tarantulas is uh, uh, what is different about him from Overlord. I've uh, kind of made it a tricky thing. Uh, it's not just that he's got a big memory of Overlord in writing him. He, uh, he's got a big memory of the already established Tarantulas. Because unlike Overlord, Tarantulas has been a major player in Western fiction. He was a very, very popular character in Beast Wars. There's not really been any other takes on him since then. It's about Beast Wars cartoon version is basically definitive up till now. So, you know, writing something that lived up to that, uh, as well as lived up to the memory of Overlord, was a tricky proposition as well. I think he uh, he succeeded on both counts. I uh, I never really heard Tarantulas' cartoon voice in this comic. I considered what a memorable voice that is. I think that was quite an achievement in itself. That I just remembered how Tarantulas uh, announces himself when you select him as a character in the Beast Wars Transmetals game I got yesterday. He says, I am Tarantulas, uh, emissary of the, of the Predacon secret police, but don't tell anybody. Yeah, he is a different <laughs> character. From the- <laughs> I just, just wanted to say at the end of this that what I would really, really like now is please, whoever's listening, IDW, Nick... A nice hardback to go right next to the Last Stand of the Wreckers hardback, please, with lots of extras at the back. Or if no extras at the back, then just just a, a nice hardback just to, to have this all collected because it will definitely, absolutely look fantastic. Oh, yeah, I'd love a, I'd love a little text story to go along with this. Mm. I, I, if I did ever want to include a transcript of Podcast Maximus to go over back, yeah, I'm sure we could, we could arrange that <laughs> 
Uh, so our very last thoughts, Fed, on Sins of Wreckers, people. Your quick summing up of the series as a whole. Uh, I, I think it's it's great. It's important. It introduces um, some really fun new toys to play with. And uh, every, uh, with a couple of exceptions, every single character arc is satisfying and sad. It's a very sad story. Yeah, I would agree. It feels like closure. It doesn't feel like there's a lot left. Like anything that comes after this will be a new chapter. Whilst last stand kind of left you thinking there was going to be a part two hmm uh, uh yes i would agree with everything you two just said so i would only add a uh, more nick roach sooner rather than later i know he wants to do other things and not like transformers all the time and he likes having nicer humans and going off and doing other stuff uh apparently he's quite involved with pantomime i think i uh i heard an interview with him recently but you know chain into his desk Go around his house, uh, John Barber, with some chloroform, knock him out, lock him in your basement, force him to write against his will. I think that's what should happen, yeah, because uh, we need more Nick Roach. I would say uh, pay him what he's worth, because <laughs> uh, I don't think they're doing that. I mean, I don't, it'd be very difficult to actually pay him what he's worth and and keep the company afloat. But yeah, I these hang on to him as hard as you can. You mean just offering him some money rather than kidnapping him and chaining him up? That, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, living wage uh, plus would be nice. It would be good for him, I think. If, for him to be able to do this kind of thing full time, that would be a better world. Mm, yes, please. More Nick writing and that too. Excellent. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen at home, what exciting change is our last podcast is that we are now even more out there uh, in the world. Uh, we have a Podcast Maximus Facebook page, which I imagine you'll find by just searching Podcast Maximus on Facebook. We have a dedicated Podcast Maximus Twitter account. If you know you don't just want to have a Podcast Maximus-related tweet broken up by 5,000 tweets analysing every line of dialogue, it's Skyfall for me. Yeah, if you prefer just pure and undiluted, that's at Podcast Maximus, amazingly enough. Uh, we also have an email address which is uh, podcastmaximus at yahoo.com. And we still have a discussion thread on TF Archive. And we still have our individual Twitter accounts, which you might get a Atable Dalek. Uh, Tom? Uh, Tyrone McNally. And is there anything you'd like to promote, Tom, before I go over to Marion? Oh, well, funny you should say that, Stuart. Um, my other podcast, The Saga of the European King, it's a fiction podcast. It's a love letter to franchise fiction. A bit more He-Man than Transformers, but you know, in, definitely in the same wheelhouse. If you like this kind of stuff, you'll probably like uh, to hear me and other people screaming about it at the top of our lungs. Uh, that is available on sagaoftheeuropeanking.com. And I have heard uh, the first episode of your new run, and I quite liked it. It has a... A nice humour and soundscape to it. See, Stuart, he's a man of good taste. He likes Sins of the Wreckers and he likes the saga of the European King. <laughs> and uh, Marion, your Twitter and anything that you, you would like to uh, share with people? Uh, yeah, come find me on Twitter. I'm at Morta, double M-O-R-T-A-H. Find me on Tumblr, same username again. And I did an interview with Maz from uh, TF Source. TF Square One, Maz, as he's also known, about uh, my toy collection. So go read that and you can see lots and lots of pictures of Wreckers and other figures and hear me talk about giant robots some more. 
And uh, I've also read that, and it's quite a good, fun interview. Uh, yeah, apart from when you mentioned your letters, plural, that you've had published in IDW Comics. More than one letter being done. I'm still not pissed about that for that last podcast. I'm, I'm, I think Jones mentioned on Twitter that there's going to be an extra page in one of the forthcoming issues. I've just got through now. It's going to be an entire page of letters from Marion. <laughs> anyway, folks, if you want to follow an embittered, angry... <laughs> Jones on a psychotic burning comic series <laughs> my twitter is at Fatal Dalek and uh, my stuff you all know by now uh, the solar pool uh, trans, uh, dot transformation for my weekly Transformers comic transformation volume 1 on Amazon and other places uh, I've also just finished a piece on writing for the TF Nation program uh, the Transformers convention that's happening in Birmingham in August, which we will probably talk about more at a subsequent date, uh, about all the different versions of Perceptor. Uh, but they seem quite pleased with it, but, but I've got to put more in about animated Perceptor. Uh, but uh, that should be quite nice, so look out for that, people. Get Paul Ide to sign it at the convention, and then come get me to sign it, and then decide who has the better signature. And also, we are looking to make you, our listeners, part of the podcast with a uh, special listeners contribution episode as part of our celebration of 20 years of tf archive uh the website that hosts this podcast uh there's a youtube video that'll be linked to the show notes but we basically want two minutes of audio from you talking about your single favorite transformers moments over the last 20 years as wide-ranging as possible and as crazy as possible sent to that email address as an mp3 uh, uh, podcast maximus at yahoo.com email address uh, before the end of June, and yeah, you get to be on the show, and yeah, you'll get to hear us talking about you in between the clips. Uh, anything else anybody wants to say before we before we say goodbye? Wreck and roll. No matter what you do in your life, it won't be as bad as the things Prowl has done. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. This is the monster in your head. You love Podcast Maximus. It's your favourite Transformers podcast.